to Cleaning Up, a podcast about all things business, commercial cleaning and franchising. Each episode, we bring new insights on growing and building a janitorial business. We discuss business, franchising and all things cleaning. Here's your host, Damien Bowen. Hello, welcome to the show of Cleaning Up with your host, Damien Bohm. I've got today two guests. I've got Terry and Casey. Terry and Casey both come from Compliant Cleaning Supplies. And we've been talking about the best way a cleaning business can partner with a cleaning supply company. But before I share those tips, tell me, Casey, tell me, Terry, how did you get into the toilet paper business? Well, it's, mine's actually, sorry, it's, uh, Terry here. It's- Quite a long story. I started in waste management of all places. I uh, started in a bespoke, basically a bespoke facilities management model whereby we were offering waste services to get into businesses to then offer other services. So basically the way that the waste game was set up was there was a really long payoff and contract lengths and that type of thing. So I actually worked for a massive business in the UK and they had the branch over here. So I owned a quarter of the business here. Yeah, wow. And the, the payoff in the UK, they could get out of contracts really quickly over there, 30 days basically, boom, they were out. We couldn't here. So we had sometimes one to two to three year waits for these contracts to get out. So whilst I had a bit of sweat equity in there, it just got too long. So we started looking at ways to increase the cash flow and cleaning was one of those one of those things. Garden maintenance was another one, but cleaning is sort of how I got into this industry here. So we started with that. We started looking at buying businesses and bolting them on to what we were already doing. From there, we found a really good business in periodic work. So pressure cleaning, abseil cleaning, carpet cleaning, that type of thing. And we put a contract on half of that and I went and ran that business. They created the GM role there and I went and tidied that business up. So in the process of doing that, I sold out of the bespoke facilities management company, which still runs today. And yeah, I I essentially sort of fell into the cleaning industry, I guess you would say, because I had a lot of contacts in the medium to large contract cleaners. I then met my current business partner through that and was able to sort of get out of the physical cleaning side of the industry, get onto the supply side, and, um, yeah, the rest is sort of history after that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And, Casey, your entrance into <laughs> toilet paper is a bit more recent. <laughs> oh, and, and it's not as exciting too. Yeah. I, I was in, <laughs> I, I was in uh, transport previously for eight years and because and, I got a bit stale for, for sort of my enthusiasm level, so I, I looked for a um, – uh, a sales role, a sales director role more specifically and came across one at a humble cleaning company and took that on and that's where I met Terry. He was a supplier of that particular company and I sort of learned a lot and one thing I learned more than anything was just how interesting cleaning is and you don't realise how interesting it is until you're in it, until you're living and breathing it every single day and an opportunity presented itself like often things do in life and Terry offered me a position with the other side of the you know the desk as it were and I took it on and, and it's just been a um, fun ride and I'm uh, really enjoying the cleaning industry and now the supply industry. And that's, uh, mm. haven't been all that long, not as long as Terry, but, uh, yeah. you know, I think I'll be in it for a very long time. Mm. Yeah, cool. Very yeah. good. Mm. It kind of makes sense, obviously, uh, cleaning companies need to have someone to supply them with chemicals and often cleaning companies are the go-to people for toilet paper and consumables mm. for a lot of their clients. Mm. If I was a cleaning company looking for a supplier, mm. what really should I be looking for? Like what should a, 
if I want a supplier who's really going to support me to build my business and grow my business, what should a good supplier yeah. have? I think there's I think there's three main points that that I think that we really need to do in the current market, and two of them are quite quick. So so knowledge, actually knowing what will work on a surface, that type of thing, what will work in a certain situation. So so knowledge is a big one. Services is massive. We invest quite a lot into having our own vans personally delivering product to sites and that type of thing. We don't find that couriers cut it at the end of the day. They really are just paid to scan and get it get it going. So uh, service, a very big one, um, back-end service as well from customer service managers all the way through to managing director. Um, there needs to be service and knowledge. The big one that I focus on and Casey's really focusing on now is time margin. So looking at what it takes a company to how much time margin it takes their area managers to order products and what that value is actually to the business of their turnover. So if it's, say, 2 to 4% of their turnover but they're actually spending 10% of their time on it, they're giving away time margin and, and often a, a business not even recognising that as a cost. Absolutely. They? Yeah. No, they're not. And it just falls on an area manager or a site manager of large sites to do it. Uh, you know, just suck it up, get it done, please, you know, get the get the stuff to site. It doesn't matter how you manage that and could be email spreadsheets and there's just information everywhere and we're literally trying to just give that time margin back so that the cleaning outcomes and the business outcomes for our partners is a lot better. Mm. I was going to say, I definitely think that a cliche saying is stop being reactive and start being proactive. And I think that that's a really good attribute to find in a, in a partner with any business. Instead of having a partner that just sits on the fence and waits for something to go wrong and then deals with the issue, having a partner that can actually be proactive and say, well, here's some ideas, here's a new innovation that we've come across do you think this would help or implement in your business and actually yeah. save you time, money, whatever it is? Mm. And so being a, a proactive partner rather than a reactive partner, I think, is a crucial attribute. Okay, yeah. great. So if I was a cleaning business and I really wanted to, say, push consumable supplies, toilet paper, paper towels, what would your recommendation be to me as you know, owning a cleaning business mm. to introduce clients who may not ask for it straight up because some, some, as we know, do straight away and mm. others don't. Mm. For those that don't ask for toilet paper and consumables, mm. what would you recommend a cleaning business say to those clients to get them to start ordering products from you? Yeah, I think just identifying things in in an office space or, or um, in a bathroom, washroom especially, just identifying that they can supply that in a walkthrough, maybe at quote stage, but picking up things like air fresheners and all that and wrapping it all into one stop shop for an end user client, so cleaning and then everything that will come with that, is the easiest sell in my opinion to to wrap them up into a number of services, toilet paper, hand towel, sanitary, air fresheners, the list does go on. So it's a look. We can take care of, are you spending time ordering these mm, things? We mm, can make it mm. so much easier for you. That's right. Start giving back your end user client their time margin. Give back some time to them. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's expanding on what Terry said. It's a lot of the consumables, in my experience, having converted very many people over to the consumable side, 
A lot of it's done with yeah, petty cash and whilst the receptionist is at Woolworths mm. doing her shop, she picks some stuff up for the business and mm. brings it to the office. That's a very common a common thing. I think if you're the sort of business as a cleaning company who can then say, well, subject to cleaning, just like we're not making you clean your own urinals, we're also going to handle the ordering. The delivery is super easy. You're never going to even have to think about ordering toilet paper for the life of this contract of the, of the cleaning. And I think that that's a good reassurement to the client that the cleaning company is proactive again and also everyone that they deal with seems to be sort of on the same page. And so I like that idea of removing the, uh, oh, no, Mary forgot to order toilet paper because she was meant to, but now we don't have any. So, you know, if you're keeping stock yourself, you're never going to run out. Yeah, mm. So it's like service, convenience, yeah. uh, time yeah. margin. Time, yeah. And explaining for two, two clients mm. saying, you know, look at the wastage that's happening here mm. in your business. You yeah. expect you you don't realise that all these hours are yeah. going towards something that your cleaning company can do for you yeah. Yeah. for no additional for cost. For no additional cost yeah. and to give back their employees time so they can focus on their core business. It's not their core business to make sure toilet paper's in mm. stock. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm. So you guys are on one side, like we sometimes say, one side of the counter in our industry, don't mm. we? So mm. You, mm. you're on one side, yeah. we're on the other side. Absolutely. From that point of view, from that perspective, you would see a lot of different types of cleaning businesses come through the doors and that yeah. you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. With that perspective on that side of the counter, what do you think are the biggest gaps that you see in cleaning companies? Underutilising business partners, okay. I think, is that's a really big thing because, you know, for example, if a contractor's going to Woolies, Coles, the LDs of the world, and just picking up some kind of cleaning product off the shelf, that quite often buying the wrong product for that application. You know, chemicals are designed and engineered to do something in use. They are designed for a reason. So I guess they really need to utilise the knowledge so that they can clean that surface properly but in a quick time with less physical labour because that's a big thing now. Just the labour cost is, is so high. The cost of the materials is not the deciding factor. It's the labour. That's the really important thing. Mm. I think that underutilisation also comes a lot from trust, is that relinquishing of trust from the company saying, well, we've been in the industry maybe for 10 years, only company for 10 years, cleaning company, and we know 10 years' worth of experience for, mm. for this product. But the, the cleaning supply has probably been in there 25, 30 years. And so it's that relinquishing of trust to say, okay, we've got a supplier who probably knows more than we do. Let's hear what they have to say rather than going, no, it's our way or the highway, and you never really get anywhere. When in reality, I think a lot of suppliers, for us to even make money, we've got to allow you to do either a better job or make money um, yourself. So, you know, we want you to succeed more than that probably face value. I think maybe that relinquishing of trust is very hard for business owners to give to a supplier to help them. Mm, yeah, and with that, they underutilise their partner because they're not necessarily always seeing the, the newest in machinery mm. or equipment that can do that job more efficiently. Even if it might be an expensive machine, people might think an expensive machine is five thousand dollars. But when you amortise that across a, a year or two year contract, but it can speed up the process and have a, a better outcome for mm. that client, yeah. they're most likely one to resign you for another one to two years or three years. And that's where the real gold is. So having the right equipment in place is super important to get demos. Get get your supplier out there. Make them do demos for you. Mm. I mean, that's what we do a lot of the time. Put it in the car, go down there, show you how it works. Yeah, that's a that's a real key insight because I know that we, our team have gone out and we've come across 
I remember going to a school. So we came across a, another cleaning company and they were talking about hours. So we worked out how many hours the other cleaners were on site. But then, then when we knew what they were using, mm. like they were using some pretty rudimentary cleaning tools, it was just basically rag mops and buckets, wow, and that's yeah. it, cleaning a whole school. Yeah. And, and it's just like, well, we can come. They didn't believe that we could come in so much cheaper because, mm. oh, you, you, no, 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 we're probably on higher rates. Like that's what we had to say to the school. We're, we're, it's just that we're using technology and mm. using efficiencies in the clean, we don't need to spend, mm. you know, say six hours on that building. It can all be done in three hours yeah. and we'll save you a bit of money. So. Yeah. Cleaning is as old as things we're getting dirty. So yeah. the, any innovation you can have to speed up the process yeah. or, or increase productivity rates is, is absolutely massive. And even in my time pushing contracts, there are very many times where I've gone and, and actually looked at the productivity rates of a machine and said to the client, if we buy this machine for you and we distribute the cost over 12 months or whatever it is, it's actually going to save you money. Not a great deal. It's probably like uh, 3% saving in total cost, but the outcome is going to be 40% better because it's a machine versus a mop and bucket. Yeah, exactly. And, right, and, yeah. and that is proof in the pudding. And I've won some contracts based on selling the machine with the contract alone because yeah. uh, you can demonstrate it. And again, as Terry says, get them out there on site. If the client's umming and about a $7,000, $5,000 machine, we can bring it out, mm. show them the results, and a lot of times when they actually see the difference, mm. they'll pull the trigger on it. Mm. And that leads me to the question I want to ask you, Casey, yeah. <laughs> because we've had a few chats before. We've been in competition uh, before too. Yeah, we have been in competition actually, and you've had some great success. Mm. We've uh, been going actually for some one. We went for the same call. We didn't yeah. even know until we later on. We did going not even the, know. It's going for the same business. Yep. I won that, by the way. Just not by, <laughs> hey, look, I'm not going to go into civics, but it wasn't by much. It wasn't by much, but you still won. When he's winning, fair yep. play to you. Yeah. <laughs> but you had some incredible success, not just from that role, but also in previous roles mm. as a BDM. Yeah. So tell me, can you share with the audience some of your secrets, like how you were able right. to bring so much business? I could speak about this for five hours. I mean, you speak to no, any... Please don't. No, any, <laughs> any, any, sales trainer, <laughs> any sales trainer, you sit them down, you're out leaving for three days, right? So I'll, I'll give you the top three, okay? <laughs> Tip number one is capitalise on existing clientele and referrals. There is a money bias that happens when you bring on new clients that have no referrals. When you have a referral the decision is actually not hindered on money at all. And so they're the ones least susceptible to budget you know, perfications. But if you've got a, a group of clients and you say if you've got a legacy site in the street and you can reference that legacy site to the rest of the street and you can actually go to the business owner. And you've said this a couple of times, I think, on your one of your videos, and that's why I kind of resonate uh, with your mentality of, of doing sales as well. Find who can help you make money through referrals. If you've got a business owner, hey, Mr. Business Owner, we're doing really, really well for six months, 12 months, three years, whatever, would you mind if I use you, even just your email address, as a referral for a new business just in the street? Not the suburb, not the state, just this in the street. At the end of the day, the people in the street are going to realize that, hey, you clean this legacy site. Even if it's not a legacy site, it could be something as like a business park. We clean one of 12 identical offices, two floors, 250 square meters. If you've got one of them and you use that as a reference, door knock every single one of them and if they're doing a good job hey go see bill he says it's perfectly fine if you just go knock on his door and say hey how are the cleaning crew going i've won so much business just from that referral network that 
it's such a small thing, but I think a lot of people are scared because maybe they don't trust their results. If you trust your results and you've got that referral network, you're going to sort of get that, pick up the residual, right? Yeah. It's like you're manufacturing your own yeah, referrals, absolutely. isn't it? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and if the business park example is great because if they're identical buildings, the chances of you being able to go and give them a quote that's exactly the same price as the one that you've actually got without having to step foot in the door is very powerful and that works very easily. Hey, if you've got two minutes, I can give you a quote. I actually already know your specs because the other one's identical. Tip number two would probably be know your competition. So in the world of contract cleaning and in, in the world of any contract sales, it doesn't matter what industry it's in, there will be stipulations, clauses, contract links, escape clauses that you need to come across for your competition. Depends on what industry you're in. Very rarely will you come across a site that doesn't have a service or product like yours. If you are, it's a bit of an uphill battle because you haven't got great value from nothing. But know your competition. Know that if you're coming across a company and the incumbent is XYZ company, they have a specific clause that means that you actually have to go and fight to have them removed or it's an auto renewal and so you've waited too long and now it's gone into auto renewal, guess what, you're off for another 12 months. So learn the competition. I think that's actually a really important step because if you don't know what the competition are doing, they're going to hold fast their clients, which just means you won't pick up any new business. And the third thing comes down to the individual. If you're a BDM sales director, door-to-door, depending on how you do your sales, it's irrelevant. I'm going to quote the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort, because I really resonate with what he says in his sales seminars after the fact, after he got out of jail. (laughs) You in sales as a BDM or a salesperson need to be three things, sharp as a tack, enthusiastic as hell, and an expert in your field. If you are not those three things, you will be beaten by someone who is. So sharp as a tack, enthusiastic as hell, and an expert in your field. And those are my sort of top three tips as far as any contract or BDM sales role. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you had a very forceful approach Mm. to booting non-performing cleaning companies out of contracts, just ripping through their clauses, having a look at, okay, if someone's getting let down by their cleaning service and often the resistance, and we know this in Mm -hmm. the cleaning game, the resistance is, oh, no, sorry, I'm still under a, a contract. I can't get out of it for the next you know, seven months. And then it's just a matter, every contract is performance-based though, isn't it? 100%. If you're doing a poor, poor job at a site and I go out there just to give a friendly quote and and it's a shocking, shocking job. Oftentimes I've led, sat the client down, looked at their current contract because I've said, this is unhygienic. This is not, this is not great. This is going to cause people illness. We've got 500 people in this office for the large ones, five to 10 for the small ones. Regardless of how many people are in here, it's unsanitary. So let's sit down together, have a look at the current contract, see where you might be able to, you know, escape and move to a better solution. And when you look at it, they're not that complicated. Contracts look really scary from 20 feet away. They're actually not that contract. So look at one paragraph. That's the escape clause. That's what I want to see. And a lot of times it's just very simple deviation from scope. Hey, you said you were doing these things. Here's some written notice. It needs to be rectified. You might have to wait a month. Chances are they're going to do a good job for a month and then go back into their ways. Come the second month from the quote, you've got the sale, which is a good cycle to have. But the more you, and it goes to point number two, know your competition because the more you can know, oh, this is the company I'm quoting against, they don't even have a non-compete. It's a 30-day exit clause with no conditions. You know that and the client's not going to read their contract word for word in their sleep. So help them out. And the more product knowledge you have about your competitors, the better it will be. Yeah, cool. Last question. Hmm. So 
compliant has a pretty unique system and mm. you've got a lot of, you're setting budgets, reporting. What kind of, like, why would a cleaning business really, how would they benefit from all that kind of reporting and budget setting and the, the mm. kind of stuff that you've created? And you've invested a fair bit of money, haven't yeah, you? Absolutely. You've invested in yeah, some yeah. IT to, to create that system. Yeah, absolutely. I think understanding the structure of the cleaning industry is is paramount, not just being a box mover. So, you know, the, the big multinationals of the world just simply taking a box to a site and then and moving on. Actually understanding how the, the cleaning business works with someone on the ground, with an area manager, maybe a site manager there, someone on the ground, site manager, area manager, and then operations staff above that. Really understanding how to develop develop a system that basically gives back everyone some of their time so they're not all chasing each other it's all a very automated system so from I guess feedback on the ground something's low or things are low for their monthly order and then having the ability to push that up the tree fairly automatically or or in their own time so they don't have to keep chasing each other and be so prompted. How, how would, so is that all prompted inside the... Yeah, certainly. Inside, so you get an Yeah, automated. Yeah, that's um, right. Saying you should be ordering such and such or is um, auto... Not so orders? much that. It's more so push from people on the ground needing to still do, their, do the job and, and know what's coming up. Having information at their fingertips as well about what they previously have ordered on, on a site and going for so they know what they need for the next month. Setting, I guess, a date that they will do their ordering so that it doesn't blow out to mm. six weeks one month instead of all, you know. And then you've got an upset client and say, where's my, I can't, I've got nothing to, um, what, my backside with you. Yeah, that's right. But then also working with a system or a partner who's giving you this time back. So data entry is a massive yeah. one. So mm. if you're just toiling away in, in spreadsheet world and or emails and you have to write out the product every time you're writing an email well that's counterproductive because yeah. you you could have a systemized templated approach where every site is ready to go you know what's on that site you know that you're not going to make a mistake and it will just give back so much time not just to the person at the top who's got to approve the order but everyone the whole step yeah. they don't have to look back at things they don't have to dig out information it's there and I think that's a point like just with a lot of cleaning businesses when they get started and they're only doing a couple hundred thousand dollars, it doesn't seem like a big job at all. You think, oh, that's mm-hmm. fine. I've only got mm-hmm. a couple of clients and, mm-hmm. and I, I can do that in my spare time. But as mm-hmm. the business grows yeah. and evolves yeah. and you start, you're pushing mm-hmm. over seven figures and beyond, mm-hmm. it yeah. really becomes a job, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, and the, and Huge. data in a clean, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have thought for a cleaning business that data becomes important, but mm-hmm. it just starts becoming super critical. Mm. decisions that you make because as you get more and more and more clients and then more cleaners servicing them and you're thinking oh my goodness Mm. how do I get through all of this how do I where's the transparency and ease of the data that becomes a real challenge certainly people starting a cleaning business don't ever think they're really going to face because they're like oh Mm. it's just Mm. cleaning yeah and something that's easy to and user friendly too so something that I keep using the term 20 feet away it's just my expression for something that's simple from a distance rather than you have to really get into the nitty gritty I got told by a cleaning company a couple of months ago that they had a system that was just a purely a box moving tick 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 and it took them three and a half months to realise that one of their sites a cleaner was actually stealing toilet paper to take to another one of their sites and actually resell 
for themselves. But he didn't have any way of tracking that that particular site had increased its uh, its toilet paper expenditure by 25%. Yeah. If they had a system that didn't alert them to that, but certainly he could look back at any time and say, well, that's um, for some reason we've got a budget set, it's $1,000 a week. Uh, since XYZ employees come on board, they're spending 1200 a week. Why are they all of a sudden going through this toilet paper? And having a system like that, it would really have helped this client to actually go, this coincides completely with when this employee came on board. Yeah. And it took him four months of, you know, this poor client, unfortunately, was bearing the brunt of it because they were the one paying for it. Mm. So having a system that creates transparency in even the most minute areas, that if you want to sit down and drill down to who's using more toilet paper than last week, yeah. that's good to have the option but also something that you can blow up and look at from 20 mm. feet away and go, I've got a snapshot. Yeah, that's so a clear. really, so, sorry, really good yeah, point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Derek. Just a really good point. Yeah. It's not just about front end. It's mm. not just about front end usability that, that we need, you know, a simple system that is can be complex and can be used easily. It's about the back end as well. It's really about giving data and automated data so that it doesn't fall on, you know, the, the supplier's shoulders to, to produce a report. It's mm. automatic goes out, needs to be there every Monday morning, I need this file sent to me so that I can see what's been happening in the last week, you know, carrying a lot of financial information, say, for a year so that they can see, they can follow trends, they can see at what times they spend more on toilet paper, more on a maybe a periodic chemical, mm, and you yeah. really drill down into equipment, you know, toilet paper consumables, that type of thing for, yeah. for clients. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, all I was going to say before, sorry, to terribly right. interrupt you is that is a great way to sell to uh, an end user client like the, that transparency so if you're talking to a facility manager for yeah. a larger building in particular you can say look when we with our supply partner we'll help you track and monitor this because and there'll be alerts because no doubt that's a concern they have as yeah. well is that mm. oh what happens if there are staff inside my building it's not mm-hmm. just the cleaners but mm. with staff and they're you know they're actually Paying for it, yeah, that's rather right. than people you aren't going to the supermarket as they should be, or or other alternatives, but at least buying it, not yeah. staff stealing the stuff. So that's mm-hmm. a really good point that Casey and both you talked about that yeah. transparency of the data and the monitoring yeah. and the alerts. Yeah. Everybody benefits from that, and it's a real selling point. And whether you've mm-hmm. got seven clients or seven thousand clients, it's something that I think that if you're starting a cleaning company or if you've got ten clients already. Start thinking about it because the second mm. that you start becoming more successful, mm. what you thought was a minor inconvenience at the start mm. or barely an inconvenience at all will become a major time suck. So yeah. that's probably a good thing too for the smaller guys. So start mm. looking at this yeah. now. Yeah. You know, and yeah. sometimes I actually prefer talking to the smaller companies because, yeah. you know, watching them grow organically is great, but dealing with clients with 500 or dealing with cleaning companies with a thousand clients, you know, that's, um, they've already got problems that they need to have solved. So, mm. yeah. Well, thanks very much, guys. I really Thank appreciate you. your time on the Don't show. Worry. And in the show notes, we will definitely have details about Compliant. But thanks again. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, I really mate. appreciate Thank your time. You. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cleaning Up Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. This podcast has been brought to you by Urban Clean, a commercial cleaning franchise with opportunities available globally. Check us out at www.urbanclean.com.au. Stay tuned for our next episode.